It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. A lot happening. Mitch Stark, uh, a couple of injury concerns there. Usman Kawaja back in the selection discussion for the Australian team. Be interesting to see if he does get selected, how he perform on home soil. And there's a lot happening in the Shield. Joining us too dissect all of that news is Andrew Menzel from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast and he's called the Shield for many years on the stream particularly in New South Wales Betters, how are you going mate? Yeah, good thanks Damien how are you? Yeah, not too bad uh, I'm probably feeling a little bit better than you given I'm a Victorian and you are a New, a new South Welshman <laughs> and uh, we're slightly on top at the moment mate Yeah, the Vicks have done well at Tremoyne Oval they've knocked over the Blues on the second day and they're in a commanding position now going into day three. Uh, I'll tell you who will be feeling pretty good right now is George Bailey, the Australian selector. I think we've seen a lot of players put their hand up for test selection and, and that's a great situation to be in if you're selecting the teams. That's right. And it's interesting in relation to the... A conversation about selection because this time last year you might recall it was about the youngsters coming through so we got Cam Green uh, was making the headlines, Will Pekofsky was making the headlines, now it seems to be the experience campaign is mainly headlined by Usman Kawaja, Mitch Stark for the injuries I guess is in the headlines as well but that's for a, a different reason uh, Uzi, it's an interesting one because he's, he's been threatening for so many occasions to break into the Australian side and to stay there, I guess the the main Achilles heel he has is maintaining consistency on Australian soil with the bat. We've seen him perform well overseas, namely that innings against Pakistan. Remember where he virtually carried the Australian team? I think it was back in 2018 from memory up in the UAE. Uh, it's just yeah, whether he course, can yeah. basically string those innings together. And he has done so with Queensland two consecutive centuries of the shield. Yeah, terrific performance by Kawaja. And I think with doubts over whether Will Will Pukowski will be fit enough for the first Ashes test. Kawaja might be a very good alternative opening the batting with David Warner. He averages almost 100 for Australia when he's open. So, you know, he's in top form, Kawaja. He's also done himself no favours by putting a YouTube video out um, supporting Justin Langer. So that's, I'm sure, going to help him get back in the side. But it's a great position to have someone of his experience perhaps who you could put in with Warner on the eve of a very big test series. But also, there's great performances all across the shield. Manus Labashain, another very good century today. So he's looking good for the Ashes. We'll need him firing at the top of the order. You've got Sean Abbott, who took six wickets for New South Wales yesterday and today in a very yes. timely performance uh, after James Pattinson has announced his retirement. You know, there is a spot in that squad for, you would say, the fourth quick, and uh, he's certainly done himself no harm with that very good performance. 
Canvey Sanger, the young leg spinner, took three wickets on Dabu, um, which just gives maybe them an option if they get to the SCG and they want to throw a, a second spinner at the Poms. And then you look across to the West and Cam Green made another accomplished half century for WA. So I think George Bailey and Justin Langer, who probably not keeping quite as close to eye in the shield as, as we are, um, will be pretty happy with all these test aspirants doing very well. Yeah, you want that. Uh, it's a bit like a throwback to 20 years ago when you had all of these players jockeying for position that never got a chance. Brad Hodge, Martin Love, etc. if you go back. So you, you want that sort of depth, and that's probably something that mm, has yeah, been absolutely. lacking at times in recent eras. So just having a look at each match, uh, we'll have a look at New South Wales v Victoria first, and the way it's going at the moment, very much favouring the bowlers. The conditions here at the Dreboyn Oval. Victoria probably in the more commanding position. I guess the standout there was Scott Boland. He just continues to be consistent. Four for 34. He's a, a great stager for the Victorian side, isn't he? He is. He's a terrific bowler. He's very experienced and He's a great sort of foil around some young quicks they've got coming up there, like Mitch Perry, who who can certainly learn a lot from his experience. I also think Nick Maddinson's a player maybe we shouldn't forget about. He made a sparkling 87 in the Vicks' first innings, and since he's moved up the top of the order for Victoria, he's he's doing very well, and I know they had him in Australian calculations a couple of seasons ago. So he's someone we shouldn't really write off as a potential opener or number five for Australia in the next few years because that was a, a cavalier innings at Dremoyne Oval. He he just took took on the Blues Bowl as his old team and it was so good to watch. And, yeah, they're two of the, the great performers so far for Victoria. And you'd think they will get just too many runs in this innings to allow New South Wales back in the contest. Yes, uh, I think given their one for 75 at the moment, it's a pretty good flat b- platform to basically run off an 123-run lead. I mean, when you consider New South Wales were bowled out for 151, it does look very threatening and the uh, red alert signs would be up. We've spoken about Queensland v Tasmania, in particular with Usman Kawaja. What about Marnus Labashane, though? He's just been so consistent, hasn't he? Just continues to make runs at this level for funds like Shelling Pease. The Tasmanian side, I think they're currently four for 150 at the moment at Stumps on day two. Jordan Silk and Bo Webster have built a partnership, a little bit of a partnership anyway, of 38, which has probably been the most comfortable thus far in their innings. Can they make a bit of a game of it, the Tassies side? Or I guess Queensland would have to be in the box seat now. Yeah, I wouldn't think the Tasmanians will get back into it. Uh, the Queenslanders will be just happy they've stuck around for this match and haven't bailed on the morning of the match. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, look, I think the Queenslanders are in a strong position. I guess we shouldn't forget Matthew Renshaw made a very good yes. 120. I mean, he came in at a good time. The bowlers were tied. The Queenslanders were on top. But again, another contender for test selection, you would think, in the next few years as a few players move out of the side. And again, you know, it looked so good in the brief period we saw him at test level. Um, yeah, just good. He made another 100 and he's sort of maturing as a batsman and I think uh, probably as a bloke as well. And yeah, Matt Renshaw is certainly someone to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, he looks intimidating as well in many ways, Matt Renshaw, with his stance. Uh, just in relation to the other match, which is still going on at the moment in day two, WAV South Australia, the Redbacks, well, they've been struggling. Let's be honest, I don't mean to be disparaging, but they've been struggling for 25 years and they're struggling at the moment. They were bowled out for 128 in their first dig and that's a pretty meagre total in any format of cricket. Jake Carter, 37 off 96, was the only one to really make some sort of stance and for 
WA as far as their bowls are concerned. Jai Richardson and Lance Morris each took three wickets and at the moment they're looking relatively comfortable with the bat. Eight for 293. They'll probably get bowled out but they'll still have a pretty significant lead of around the 200 mark. Hilton Cartwright certainly one of the standouts along with Cam Greed. He didn't make a century. Uh, this of course being in this format, the Sheffield Shield, in which he's, he really starred this time last year, but still a pretty handy 61 to his name off 94 deliveries with a six to boot. Yeah, good performance from Western Australia. Again, another great sign is Jai Richardson, who you would think will be, again, in test calculations with the ball. He's almost the fifth quick, you would think, behind Abbott at the moment. I'm probably Nisa in there, so maybe fifth or sixth. Well, you know, Richardson had the back spasms last game, but he's come good, taken three wickets, so excellent stuff. You might remember he made quite an impact on his on his test taboo against Sri Lanka a couple of years ago. Um, so he's one to watch. And then you yeah, speak about with the bat, Cam Green making 60-odd. South Australia battled hard. No one got away from them. But in the end, that sort of low total in the first innings will catch up with them. I did hear Chris Rogers on Melbourne Radio saying that he thinks Cam Green might move up to number five in the test lineup this summer. He's heard whispers about that happening. So I think that's a sensible move. Cameron Green, he takes his time. He plays himself in. So he's probably not typically a number six the way he bats. So I wouldn't mind him up at number five in the test lineup. And he looked class in the innings um, today. So, yeah, I would imagine the Western Australia will get the chocolates over there. Yeah, you would think so. Just on Abbott, who you mentioned before, and we've discussed him at length uh, in various other programs on this station, Sean Abbott we were referring to. It's it's a little bit difficult, isn't it, for him because he's been pretty good over the last couple of seasons with both bat and ball. I think he's probably exceeded many expectations with his batting prowess as well. So, you know, he, he has to continue to be in the conversation because he's been pretty consistent over the last couple of years. Oh, yeah, most certainly. And he was in the extended test squad for all of last summer, so they must rate him pretty highly. In in my estimation of Abbott's capabilities, I don't think he's quite a top six batter. I don't think you could play him as a number six and, and bowling a bit. I think it's his, his bowling that's his strong point, and then he, he'd be a great sort of seven or eight batter in your test lineup to come in after the top six. But he's just matured as a bowler. He he's, he just gets the ball to just move enough away from the right-handers to trouble them. And um, he sort of, you know, he's learnt his craft from being up close to Cummins and Hazelwood and Stark for so long in that Blues lineup. Um, he's an accomplished player, and I think he'll be pretty close to the Ashes. Uh, if there's an injury or two, uh, he certainly suits somewhere like the Gabba. Yes, that's quite a decent point. We're speaking with Andrew Menzel from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. What a touch on Mitch Stark. He's been monitored at the moment by medical staff ahead of Australia's clash against Sri Lanka in the T20 World Cup, which will be early tomorrow morning. He was struck on the leg at training, hit just above the right knee, I think, while bowling in a net session in Dubai and appeared to be in discomfort. The injury is not a serious one, according to the medical staff there and the team spokesperson. But uh, what do you think it will do to his preparation, particularly ahead of the Ashes? 
Well, it's hard to make a call from out this far away. But, look, I think they'll be cautious with him going into this Sri Lankan game. I think if there's any doubt, they'll rest him knowing it's a long tournament and a long summer. Yeah. And there's no reason to sort of run him out there when they've got players like Kane Richardson sitting on the sideline. So I think they'll be very cautious. I did um, note some big news just before we jumped on to have this chat that Quinton de Kock, the South African yeah, wicket read out his statement. Has, yeah, so that's big news. I think, I, I think that's it's a good result that he's unequivocally apologised because, you know, it was sort of it was taking over the tournament. It was becoming a, a red hot issue, and I, I'd love to get back to talking about the cricket. And then, um, yeah, I think that's probably the, the best possible result. Yeah, and uh, just in relation to Australia's clash, and you're going to hear it on SEN as well, Sam Hargraves and Dara Berry calling the action as part of SEN's coverage of the T20 Cricket World Cup, uh, the match to commence 1am tomorrow morning. How do you think the Aussies will go? We coffees. Sorry? I'll need a few coffees. Oh, yeah, that. 100%. That's why uh, a B-grader like me is in the studio tonight. <laughs> the A-grader Sam's <laughs> calling the action. Uh, just in relation to... right now. <laughs> he probably is. Uh, just in relation to that game, though, we had pretty low expectations ourselves, didn't we, ahead of this tournament? Because Australia traditionally isn't the best in the T20 international format, but got the job done over South Africa. Sri Lanka can be a little bit enigmatic in the way they go about the T20 format. How do you think the Aussies will perform? Uh, people have called me negative recently because I thought that victory by Australia was so unconvincing. They sort of fell over the line, Stephen Bradbury style. It was it was a tough one to watch, a meagre South African total. that We should have just powered down in 15 overs, but we laboured to it in with only a couple of balls to spare. So, look, I'm not holding much hope yet, uh, Damien, I still think um, they need, you know, a few more games to give me much confidence. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was... a you know, a lacklustre performance generally against South Africa. The, the bowling was exceptional, but South Africa went very good. And, yeah, I think we we need to really improve if we're going to get to the semifinals. All right, Menas, really appreciate your time. Thanks for dissecting the cricket news. All the best. Thanks, Damien. Andrew Menzel joining us from Cricket Unfiltered Podcast Action. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.